We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Sunday night after the Timberwolves beat the Golden State Warriors 119 to 99. Yes, the Warriors were without Steph Curry and Draymond Green, who are both injured tonight. But I mean, what are you supposed to do? Uh, what have it been? An underwhelming loss? Sure. Is it a great win without Steph and Draymond? No, but it is a win and it's taking care of business. Chris Finch was asked about it after the game. I thought he he nailed it. He was asked if it's a, if it was a cathartic to get a win after the two losses in New Orleans and Memphis. And Finch said, like, no, that's not the word. Like he said they expected to win this. Finch said it was a business like performance from them. And I think that's accurate. Um they did. They they just took care of business tonight against the Warriors. It was a Golden State team without Stephen Draymond. So taking care of them was about slowing down. Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole. Those were Golden State's weapons, and those three shot a combined 14 of 38 from the field in this game. 38% from three, but only 35% from two from those three. I mean, Wiggins, Clay, and Poole, they're going to get their threes off, and they're probably going to make them at a decent clip. They're good shooters. But if you take care of the rim, like you're going to be all right. And I think that's the first credit to Cat in this game tonight. He manned the middle tonight defensively. He defended the rim consistently at a couple blocks and finished with 11 rebounds despite not even needing to play at all in the fourth quarter. And on offense, Cat was good too. He was uh, he was guarded by Kevon Looney, who kind of plays like Valanciunas. You know, for what Looney lacks in speed, he tries to make up for by hitting you. And he was, he was totally all over Cat tonight. There was definitely a point in the first half where Cat pretty clearly got fouled by Looney on a drive to the basket. It didn't get called. Cat was understandably frustrated there. And then Looney went down to the other end, and Cat was guarding Looney. Looney kind of popped him in the face with a straight elbow that also didn't get called. And I remember tweeting at that time, I'm like, uh-oh, like Cat's tea kettle is about to start whistling because that's what we've seen happen before. But to Cat's credit tonight, like he he totally kept his head. He He played through the contact. And he did keep his composure. You know, on a night where Anthony Edwards only had nine points and D'Lo only had seven, like the Wolves needed Cat to keep his composure and drive the offense the way he did. Cat's three ball also wasn't falling, but he still finished the game 
with 26 points. And that's because he has di- a diverse offensive skill set. You know, Cat, despite shooting one of six from three, he shot 10 of 14 from two. And I think he had five and ones in the game. It was, to me, it was definitely one of the more impressive Cat performances of the season because he clearly drove winning and he also kept his head in a situation similar to other times where he hasn't kept his head. And, and you know, that's that's kind of like, it's kind of what it takes for Cat, right? Like, he can consistently drive production for this team every single night, no matter what the whistles are doing or sh- what shots aren't falling, whatever's happening. Like, Cat is so effective offensively in a variety of ways that, you know, he can be an impactful player if he just focuses on playing his game. And again, to his credit, he did. Here's Chris Finch after tonight's game talking about what Cat was able to do. When shots weren't falling in the first half, did you like the way that Cat attacked and just kept on getting yeah. to the line? The way that yeah, he was frustrated, but I didn't think it like ate him alive. They did a good job of staying aggressive, uh, finishing through some contact there, got some man ones. You know, he went to the glass, got himself started on the glass. Um, I thought he uh, he did a good job of imposing himself tonight. Uh, with D'Angelo, it, we've talked about his passing a lot, but yeah. does it seem like he's really reaching another level here lately just with the pocket passes? And yeah, he is. He's, I mean, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's really finding guys, you know, particularly when we have good pace in our offense and uh, things are kind of shaking loose. He's got a great chemistry with Vando right now, uh, and he's making a lot of just easy passes. Uh, you know, when they're there, he's making hard passes, look easy at times. But yeah, I mean, it's like, like we said, it's the times he's passing guys open. I also wanted to leave that D'Lo question there because even though D'Lo only had seven points tonight, it wasn't at all a game where he wasn't having an impact. Uh, what D'Lo is really beginning to create via pick and roll for the Wolves on offense is just so critical. We we know that every time any Wolves player is asked about like the offensive identity of this team that they... They point to the defense being what spurs their offense, right? Which is true, but only that's only true to an extent. Like the Wolves do generate a ton of turnovers and they get out and run as much as anybody in the league because of those forced turnovers. But still, the nature of the game, like still for them, three quarters of their offensive possessions come in the half court setting where they have not been an effective team this year. In those slowed down half court situations, the Wolves still rank 24th in the league in offensive effectiveness. And to that end, like it seems like they've been able to find something in this pick and roll with Dilo an action that they can go to frequently that drives more frequent efficient offense. And Dilo as a pick and roll creator is that's really becoming one of the best options for this team. As Finch mentioned, like we've seen the chemistry between Dilo and Vando in that action. Dilo is finding Vando in a spread out floor for tons of hard rolls for, you know, that are leading to easy dunks. The Wolves' first bucket of the game was Vando slipping a pick and roll with Dilo for a dunk that Dilo did pass him open for. Vando had three pick and roll dunks in the first quarter alone. But what I also like to see tonight was some of the Dilo pick and roll with Cat. You know, one of the great sort of what ifs of this Wolves season has been, you know, what if Cat and Dilo ran more pick and roll together? We're still not seeing a ton of it, but we're starting to see a little bit more. And it makes you wonder if that is going to be a bigger slice of the offensive pie in the second half of this season. 
And it makes you wonder if that action might be one of the Wolves' ways out of the bottom of the league in half-court offensive effectiveness. I asked Kat about that action after the game tonight. Dilo's been running a lot more pick and roll lately, it seemed. Probably the two of you guys have also increased your pick and roll volume in pairing. Do you think that's something that will grow over the, the course of the season, the frequency with which you and Dilo play two-man game like that? Um, I think we're just going to get better and better. It's going to be better chemistry. I, uh, we made it a point. <clears throat> it's weird because we made it a point. I, I did the opposite. I was trying to more pop. Yeah. Um, at uh oh at over four, uh, I'm not most confident in trying to shoot threes anymore. But I tried to do something that we tell Nas a lot. And I wanted to be a person that, when we talk about it, actually does it. So uh, I think today you saw me a lot going into pick and rolls and rolling, like actually rolling, like hard, aggressive, trying to make something happen. So um, I think it's something that I, I needed to utilize a little more. I, I got to, you know, everyone knows me for shooting and everything, but, you know, you have to, you can't be one dimensional. So I want to be able to be an effective roller as well for this team. And um, tonight was one of those nights where just, you know, shot wasn't working. Perfect time to work on it right now in the game. And, uh, it worked out really well. Uh, got some M1s, got some layups, um, utilized my finishing ability. So, um, you know, with the, the, for this team to grow, I have to grow as well, and I got to get better and better and better. So throughout the season, and I think that's one spot offensively I can improve on, and uh, I want to make sure I, you know, find ways to work on it. it was Unfortunately, it was a game tonight, but it worked out. If you go through the numbers of Cat's career, the shots he takes as a role man in pick and roll have always been more productive when he rolls versus when he pops. And it's not that those pick and pops aren't profitable, like Cat's one of, if not the best player in the league at that action specifically. Last year and this year, he's he's over a point per possession generated on pick and pops. But the rolls have been well over a point per possession. And obviously that begs the question of just when you're staring at the spreadsheet of like, why doesn't that roll part of the action transpire more often? And part of the answer there is like, yes, Cat has never really been a strong roller or targeted it himself, but it's also because he hasn't had very good pick and roll partners historically. With D'Angelo Russell initiating the pick and roll with him, the defense has further reason to pursue the ball handler and the ball handler's threat of being, you know, a jump shooter that opens up Cat. You know, that's the difference between a pick and roll with Cat and Ricky Rubio or Cat and Shabazz Napier, Cat and Jeff Teague right? D'Lo is a threat to just pull up from three there or to create his own shot off the action. So the defense has to pay it more attention, which should, in theory, lead to a greater opportunity for Cat on that role. But in addition to being a better shooter out of those actions, D'Lo is a better passer in those situations than a lot of those guys were too. Better at finding Cat on the role than a Shabazz Napier or a Jeff Teague. And that's why if you look at Cat's frequency this season in pick and roll, you see that the split is the split is pretty close to equal in pick and pops versus pick and rolls. Normally in previous seasons, it's like two thirds of the time he pops on the pick and roll, one third of the time he rolls. Now, on the other hand, Cat's overall volume of pick and rolls this season of this frequency is down. You look at two seasons ago and 17.2% of Cat's shots came in pick and roll roll or pop this season it's only 11.4 percent and i actually take that as a reason for opportunity here the pick and roll has been more effective this season 
because Cat has been more effective on the hard rolls than years in the past. But the overall output is down because the volume of pick and rolls is lower than it's ever been. I think there's a world where the volume can increase this season without the effectiveness per possession dropping at all. And that's because D'Angelo Russell is the one throwing those passes now. And the way D'Lo is finding those pockets lately is, you know, it's just on another level. I'll definitely be tracking how Finch is able to find that action for those two going forward because it certainly seems like it could be part of the answer for boosting the offense in the half court. And that's one of the biggest, you know, expectations, I think, of the second half of the season. All right, let's take a quick break here and come back to discuss the other variable in tonight's game that really gave the Wolves juice tonight, and that was their bench. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 20-point win tonight over the Golden State Warriors. As I said before the break, the Wolves, the Wolves bench was a, was a huge part of the reason that they won by as much as they did tonight. The Wolves outscored the Warriors by 27 points in the 24 minutes that Malik Beasley played. They also outscored the Warriors by 27 points in the 21 minutes Jaden McDaniels played and by 21 in the 25 minutes that Jalen Noel played. Those three combined to score 42 points tonight. And Nas Reed also tacked on nine points in his 15 minutes. So that's 51 points from your four main bench options. And I, it really came down to like the fourth quarter is, is where the, the bench really shined. The Wolves were up by 10 going into the fourth, which was, you know, the game was very clearly still in the balance. And to start the fourth quarter, Finch opted to come out with all three of Cat, Ant, and D'Lo on the bench. You know, presumably he's just trying to, survive like four minutes there until he can get his starting lineup in there to close the game. I think it was, you know, at the time, somewhat of a risky play. The Wolves have been awful this season in the minutes that all three of the big, all three of the big three have been off the floor. It hasn't happened that often, but in those minutes, even with garbage time removed, they have a terrible net rating with 
the big three all off the floor, minus 14 in, in their time this year, but but minus 14 per 100 possessions. But that group totally brought it tonight. Uh, to start the fourth quarter, Finch went with Nas, Prince, McDaniels, Beasley, and Noel. And he just kind of let them keep going. Those five stayed on the floor together for the first nine minutes of the fourth quarter, and they ballooned the lead from 10 up to 23. They went on 25 to 12 run to start the fourth quarter. And the timing of the bench going off was was needed tonight, but it was also a bit ironic given how poor they played Thursday night in Memphis when the entire bench only combined to score 13 points. Here's Finch talking about their impact tonight. Great. Um, turn, turn some good defense and some transition opportunities where he was able to get loose. Um, ball movement with the bench unit in particular was really, really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, nice to see him make some – and it's really, I mean, the, it's funny how, what a difference make, a game makes, but, you know, our bench was awesome tonight. They really were. And uh, I'm proud of those guys for the way they responded. How much do you think Jalen's presence just has in, in kind of helping that bench unit? Yeah, it's, he's been great. I mean, it's it's uh, not just the scoring, but it's, you know, he had another four assists tonight. He's really looking for people. I thought he found bees on a couple of those. I can't remember. I got to look at the tape, but yeah, he's really moving the ball well. He's staying aggressive. He's picking his spots. He's not forcing anything. The game's really coming to him easy. Uh, and his defense was really good. His defense was great. Uh, he was in the right places all night long. When it does come to the bench, we are at the point where you know Jalen Noel, as Ventures just talking about, there is becoming such a consistent positive for that group. Since Noel entered the rotation on a consistent basis, fifteen games ago. He shot 39% from three on 49 attempts and 61% from two. Not sure on how many attempts that was, but it's actually more twos than it has been threes. Just super efficient scoring. Uh, Only Cat on this roster has a higher true shooting percentage over those 15 games than Noel does. And Noel has the highest usage rate on the team other than the big three over that stretch. And it's just kind of beginning to beg the question of, you know, is there a way that Noel's role can be even bigger? And I guess just to some extent, we've already started to see Finch start to push those boundaries. Remember in Delo's first game back from COVID, we saw Finch close the game with Noel in place of Delo. We've also seen Finch kind of give Noel the bandwidth to run for long stretches when he's rolling. And, and that role is expanding 25 minutes tonight. But one tweak tonight specifically I really liked was Finch getting his rotation to a lineup of the starting five, but Noel in place of D'Lo. All year we've seen Finch pull D'Lo from the game early in the first quarter so that D'Lo can come back in to lead the second unit, right? We saw that again tonight. We see that every night. But then once D'Lo kind of leads that group for eight minutes the second, like the last three minutes of the first quarter, the first five minutes of the second quarter, Finch gave D'Lo his rest as the as the star, other four starters came back in, but he kept Jalen Noel out there with them. And I thought this was a really creative way of trying to you know, make a facsimile of that starting five so you feel its impact for a larger stretch. We know the Wolves' starting five this year has been awesome when they share the floor. But we also know that, given how they rotate D'Lo out so early, that the starting five just doesn't play that many minutes together. So by going with Noel in D'Lo's place, 
you kind of get a version of that starting five for more like 15 minutes and a half rather than just like the normal nine minutes that the starters play together. And I know this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves some, but that's kind of how playoff rotations work, right? Like in the regular season, you're looking for a first unit identity and a second unit identity, like across the league. That's what every team does. But in the playoffs, like your starters play more. So you're just focusing on that one sort of starting five identity. So when your bench players do come in in the playoffs, they're more so asked to mirror the starter that they're replacing. And with Jalen Noel, I think we've seen him be able to do that, both as a facsimile for Anthony Edwards, but also, as he did tonight, as something like D'Angelo Russell. Combinations like that one Finch found tonight should both help drive winning in the regular season because it taps into what they do best. But it should also prepare them for lineups that they would able be able to go to in a playoff setting, which is just kind of a a fun wrinkle to think about. The one other topic I wanted to hit on tonight, and I know we've kind of always done this when uh, the Wolves play the Warriors, but I do want to look back on the Wiggins for Russell trade. And the reason I think it makes sense to consistently do this is that trades are not like won or lost the day you make them, right? They can be assessed then, they can be judged but we really don't know how effective a trade is until we see it play out for a while. And it's now been, I mean, almost three years, be three years on February 8th that the Wolves and Warriors made this swap. And it's it's crazy to think it's been that long, but that's given us some time to see what's played out. So let's just start at the beginning by laying out what the trade was. The Wolves get D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman from the Warriors. The Warriors get Andrew Wiggins, the Wolves' lightly protected 2021 first-round pick, and the Wolves' 2021 second-round pick. We know the Wolves' side of this and how it's played out. They get D'Lo, but have to take on Evans and Spellman, who they got nothing from, and actually trading for those two guys put the Wolves into the luxury tax that season. They also eventually had to dump Evans and Spellman to New York, And they paid the Knicks a second-round pick to incur those salaries. So the true cost for D'Angelo Russell was Andrew Wiggins, what became the number 7 pick in the 2021 draft, and the number 36 pick in the 2021 draft, and a future second-round pick. So you think about it as D'Lo for Wiggins, a lottery pick, and two seconds. On the Warriors' side, what they ended up getting was Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, and that number 36 pick. I think we forget about that number 36 pick a lot as we focus on Kaminga, but that pick also kind of provided some value for the Warriors too. They used it to trade in a sign and trade last season for Kelly Oubre. So it brought them Wiggins, a player who Steve Kerr explained today when asked about a pregame, filled a position that they desperately needed on the wing, fair. It also landed them Kelly Oubre, who did flop in Golden State, but somewhat brought theoretical value nonetheless. And then it got them this Kaminga kid. And Kaminga, who, if you watch the game tonight, looks like a hell of a prospect. Definitely still in prospect mode. But, man, just watching Kaminga in person and just kind of like being there courtside to watch watch him warm up, like he is massive. He he almost looks like a center. But at the same time, you know, he, he grew up playing 
wing. So he kind of fills this more big role for them, but pretty obviously carries some upside to maybe someday be a force as a wing as well. He's certainly came on lately, and it's kind of in a way that reminds me a little bit of how Ant took a jump during the second half of his rookie year last year, right? Like both players, just physical forces who are clearly raw and are going to require a while, require a while to sort of adjust to the league. I'm not saying Kaminga is an ant level prospect, but I mean, he could end up being something pretty special too. So that's part of the question. If you're the wolves here too, right? Like I think at least we can all agree for that for the wolves, that D'Lo for Wiggins in a vacuum was a good move. The opportunity cost here is Kaminga and the two second round picks that they gave up. You know, it's it's hard to say, even with this like much elevated version of D'Lo this season, you know, is that price worth it compared to Wiggins? And I don't even know how to define that exactly. Like it's it's really hard. I I, I really like Kaminga, but I still I still don't think it's a no-brainer overall loss for the Wolves. And that's because there's also like an opportunity gained in this from the Wolves' perspective. Obviously, Wiggins' time here had dried out. We don't have to go all the way into that. We know that wasn't really going anywhere. But really, moving on from Andrew Wiggins has kind of inspired change. And it's the idea of change and the value of change that really makes the case for this being a good trade for the Wolves. I thought Chris Finch did a good job of su- summarizing that when he was asked about the trade before tonight's game. Golden State, obviously, they got your pick last year because of how, how things finished. I was, you know, you guys obviously made a conscience decision last year to not play four picks or anything and to really try and maximize wins going down the stretch. Yeah. As you look back now with where you guys are at, what do you think about just what the finish did for you as a new coach yeah. for this team? in general, to try and build things going into this? Yeah, I think uh, it was, I still think is absolutely the right way to play it for us uh, as an organization. We had to figure out um, what we had, you know, play meaningful games, try to win, see if we can get um, the chemistry between those three guys, Cat, D'Angelo, Pant, and uh, take some momentum and some positive vibes into the summer and have have an idea of a starting point. Uh, for me personally, I think it's it was even more impactful. Uh, you know, I think watching a team that's trying to do the right things and try to build somewhat of a culture, if you will, um, it's really hard to do in, a, in an environment where winning isn't valued. Uh, and you know, I think every new coach in the NBA this year uh, would have loved a thirty to forty game runway with a team um, before, you know, they went about their first real season of coaching, if you will. And every place I've ever been, whether it's been an assistant or a head coach, kind of by the halfway point of the season, you know what you want to do differently going into the next year, but you're not really able to impact change at that point in time. But I, I actually had that luxury to do that um, and kind of trial and error some stuff. And from a relationship standpoint and getting to know yeah. the players so you can go into a summer with something built up, yeah. do you think that was pretty beneficial? Yeah, for, for sure. And, um, you know, allows us to uh, build the right type of relationship, be a little more demanding out of the gate, you know, coming into this season, trying to set the tone, uh, get them, you know, to 
to buy in and value things that we thought we needed to do, whether it be defensive changes or just effort stuff, uh, and, and hold them accountable. And, you know, they've been great. Really have been. I had never really thought about the Finch angle to the trade. It's, it's weird to say he was a factor in the trade when he wasn't even there when they made it. But I think it does make some sense, at least in the pick part of the deal, right? Like the Wolves certainly could have played to keep their pick last year. Like if they would have tanked, there is a lot better of a chance that they would have been able to keep that pick, which means there's a chance they would have gotten into the top three and been able to take a Cade Cunningham, a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley. They could have gone for that Kaminga value we were just talking about missing in the original deal. But here's the thing, like, yes, they could have kept their pick last year, but they still would have had to pay it, pay them this year's pick then. You know, it's easy to look at where Evan Mobley is or dream about Cade Cunningham and and view the not tanking as a missed opportunity, but that cost was also already sunk. If they would have kept their pick and gotten a top three pick this year, then they would have had to then pay off their pick this year where there's a new slate of rookies available and there's going to be a new Cade Cunningham and a new Evan Mobley and a new whoever. And also by not tanking and by taking their lumps in this draft and just paying it, they were able to do all of the things that Chris Finch just described. You know, they did get that runway. If Finch is a big part of the reason for the Wolves' success this season, then the fact that D'Lo did come back at the end of last year, then that, that does matter. The fact that Finch got an extended look at the Cat, D'Lo, and Ant trio. That matters. And the fact that he had time to figure out what type of defense that this group needs to play, that certainly matters when you consider that this defense Finch put in this season has now made them a top 10 defense. So with this trade, looking back on it will always be a thing that we do, right? There will always be a revisionist history to it. But the devil is in the details here. Like, And there are so many details. I still, because of that, I still don't think we know who, quote unquote, won the trade. Honestly, we probably have to wait to see how these windows, the Wolves and Warriors are both in, shake out. What they do going forward will be their proof. And we still can't see the future. But I do think we see a world where this trade could prove to be mutually beneficial, even if on its face, what the Wolves gave in terms of you know, pick asset value in addition to Andrew Wiggins seemed like a lot at the time. All right, let's close tonight with some prize picks that'll get us to hit on the stinker of a game that Andrew Wiggins put up tonight. Because it was Andrew Wiggins against the Timberwolves, I took the over on both 19 and a half points and three made free throws for Wiggins tonight. We know about his vengeance, and I thought that would lead to a very assertive night where he's attacking the basket, scoring, and getting to the line. But Wiggins finished the night with only 12 points and only made two of his four free throw attempts, so I missed both of those. I also took the overs on D'Lo tonight, over 18.5 points and over six assists. Like I said, D'Lo only finished the night with seven points, but he did have 12 assists. So I got one of the two there. Uh, Betting on a big D'Lo night, I figured that would also mean some Jared Vanderbilt scoring. And it did. So I took the over on his seven points tonight. Vando scored a bunch early again, and he finished the night with 10 points. So got that one. And then uh, Cats over under on made threes was only one and a half. And for me, whenever it's two or less, kind of regardless of the opponent, I feel like that's a good bet for Cat. But as he said in his presser, 
the three wasn't going in tonight. Uh, he wasn't confident in it, and he finished with just one made three on the night. So that's two wins, four losses for for me on the night. Honestly, I wonder. It's funny when you, whenever I feel confident about these, they seem to be the nights where I get more wrong than I get right. But that's how it goes. Two and four uh, tonight brings me to eighty-one, seventy-seven, and six on these picks for the year. I'm holding on to my slight winning margin here, hoping to stay over five hundred. By season's end. Uh, if you haven't yet tried prize picks, I think you might have fun with it. Uh, another little thing to track during the game is daily fantasy, just like DraftKings or FanDuel, but it's just over unders. Uh, give it a whirl. And if you do, make sure to use the promo code Dane when you sign up for a $100 sign up bonus. I don't know. Send me a message, email, whatever. Uh, let me know if you have a better winning percentage than I do for the rest of the season. The Wolves are also creeping back up to 500. They're now 21 and 22. For now, that puts them in the seventh seed. They're tied there with the Lakers, who are currently in the eighth seed. And they are a half game above the Clippers, who are in the ninth seed. And really, like the, the gap between the Wolves and the 10 seed is getting pretty big. They're now three and a half games over the Blazers, who are the current 10 seed. So I think, like, I should be looking up in the standings. The Nuggets are the current sixth seed, and they're within striking distance. They're 22 and 20. The Wolves play in New York on Tuesday and then Atlanta on Wednesday. That's definitely a tough road road back to back, but it helps. I think that the starters tonight uh, didn't have to play at all in the fourth quarter. Starters played a ton in New Orleans and Memphis and tonight none of them were over 30 minutes. Most of them weren't even close to playing 30 minutes. So theoretically, that means fresh legs for this road trip. We'll see where this week takes them. New York, then Atlanta, then three full days off before Brooklyn comes to town next Sunday. I will talk to you on Tuesday night after the Knicks game. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com